I want to invite you to take your copy of God's Word, if you have it with you, or follow along on the screen. As we read from Ezekiel chapter 37, we'll be reading verses 1 through 14. And uh, if you haven't been with us, if you're just popping in with us today because, hey, you always come on Easter or maybe you're from out of town, we've been in a series on Ezekiel uh, for several weeks. But you don't have to have caught all that. Uh, you just have to know Ezekiel is kind of a, um, a different sort of fellow. Prophets themselves are often weird or strange. And Ezekiel was kind of weird even among the prophets. The weirdest of weird, the strangest of strange. And so we've called this series Strangest Things because we've seen all this stuff that we see in the book of Ezekiel. But today we come to probably one of the most familiar, if not the most familiar passage in all of Ezekiel. Even if you, even if you don't know these words we're about to read, that they come from Ezekiel, you've heard of them somehow, somewhere or another. So I want to ask you, uh, if you would, if you're physically able, please stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's word and follow along as I read verses 1 through 14 of Ezekiel 37. The Lord took hold of me, and I was carried away by the Spirit of the Lord to a valley that was filled with bones. He led me all among the bones that covered the valley floor. They were scattered everywhere across the ground and were completely dried out. And then he asked me, Son of man, can these bones become living people again? O sovereign Lord, I replied, you alone know the answer to that. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. I'll put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath into you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I spoke this message just as he told me. And suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over the bones. Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded me and breath came into their bodies. Then they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. And then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All our hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open up your graves of exile and I will cause you to rise again. Then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. When this happens, oh, my people, you will know that I am the Lord. I will put my spirit in you and you will live again and return home to your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done what I said. Yes, the Lord has spoken. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your word. We pray that you'd bless the reading and proclamation of it now. And Father, help us to understand your power and your work. 
through Jesus Christ in our lives. In his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. So as we read this passage, I'm going to imagine that most of us said, oh, yeah, I've kind of heard about those bones, or maybe you might say dim bones, dim bones, dim dry bones, and um, maybe even some of you who listen to contemporary Christian music uh, have heard a song uh, Lauren Daigle sings, uh, fairly popular, I assume, it's got 17 million hits on YouTube, but she sings a song called Come Alive. We call out to dry bones, come alive, come alive. And so we're kind of sort of somewhat familiar with this passage just a bit, more than anything else in the book of Ezekiel. And yet, just because we're kind of sort of familiar with something doesn't mean that we really understand it. Think about electricity. All of us use electricity in some way or other. Now, some of us have, have really, <laughs> that's about it. You know, like I know enough to know I don't mess with it, all right? And so some folks are, are electricians or some folks work for the power company and they know more. And then there are scientists out there that test it and they know more. But, you know, if you Google it, if you say, do we really actually completely understand electricity? No, you know what we don't even understand? When I Googled it, I found we don't even understand static electricity, Now, we understand what it does. Some of our hair, we had to deal with that this morning, or on dry, cold mornings especially, we might. But, you know, scientists don't even know exactly how. They've had theories after theories, and you probably learned one in physics or general science, but they've debunked all those theories, and they've recently said, we still don't know what makes it work. And so just because you know about dim bones and that toe bone connecting to the foot bone does not mean that you understand what God had to say to Ezekiel in chapter 37. So I want us to think through this for just a very few minutes this morning and see what God has to say. What does he want us to know from this message from the valley of dry bones? First thing that you and I need to understand is that there is no hope without Jesus. No hope without Jesus. It's very interesting to me that the Bible does not simply say that God took Ezekiel and set him up on a cliff over this valley and said, hey, you see all those bones down there? It says it brought him to this valley. And then it says the Bible took him all across the valley in and out among those bones. And you got to understand Those of you who've been here for the series previously, we talked about one time that Ezekiel was very very worried about the laws and the rituals of being a Jew. And one of those was you don't defile yourself by being around certain stuff and, and dead bones would certainly qualify as one of those things. So here he is, God's taking him and he's kind of walking. And if you ever saw that show Monk, you know, he's got all those compulsions and he can't touch anything. I imagine he was kind of like that. Or if you've never seen that, remember when you played, if you step on a crack, you break your mother's back. And so you're walking all funny. That's kind of how he was trying to make his way through these bones. Why did God make him do that? God wanted him to see every square inch of this valley, to see all of these bones, for him to be absolutely, completely convinced there's no life in these bones. Uh, they're, They're not 
alive, uh, they are dead. They are not mostly dead, for those of you who've seen Princess Bride. They are completely dead. There, there is nothing alive in these bones. They're not even, you know, not just the flesh is gone and the meat is gone. They're not even tender bones. The Bible says they are dry bones. They are completely dead and have been so for a long time. And the people of Israel say there's no hope. And God wants them to understand you're totally right and you're totally wrong. You are right, Israel, that without me, there is no hope. On your own, there is no hope. You have gotten yourself into mess because of all the sin. I sent prophet after prophet and said, stop what you're doing. Please, I begged you. I pled with you. But then finally, I let these countries come in, Assyria and then Babylon, and I let them take you and exile you. And you have no hope without me. But with me, there is hope. The Bible teaches us that without Christ, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. Totally and completely dead. There's nothing that we can do about it on our own. But because of God and his great love for us, he makes a way. Through Jesus Christ, through the resurrection of the dead. You know, this was pretty impressive, this thing that happened with Ezekiel. Now, scholars will kind of go back and forth of, you know, when it says the hand of the Lord was on him, some folks say that means he went and he had a vision of all this. Some folks say, hey, this is something that really happened, but it was way out somewhere and nobody really saw it. But, you know, even if it was a physical reality, nobody saw uh, that happen. Uh, nobody saw or heard all those folks ever again. But when we look at the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it is far different than simply these folks who came up, as amazing and powerful as that was, his resurrection was even more impressive than when Jesus raised Lazarus and said, come out of that tomb. Because you know what? Lazarus isn't still around today. He's not alive. In other words, those, uh, on those very rare occasions in Scripture where someone comes back to life, what happens? They are revived. They are brought back to life, but then they live and they age and they die, just like anyone else. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ was a different reality. It was something that points to a new reality for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, who've accepted his gift of salvation. It says those, the Bible tells us that those that believe in him will live forevermore. These bodies we have, they'll get older, they'll get diseased, they'll decay, they'll die. But God says we have a life eternal, and one day we will have resurrection bodies as Jesus had. We understand from these dry bones that there's no hope without Jesus. Secondly, we understand that there is no life without the Spirit. I think it's very interesting here that as God raises up these dry bones out of the valley, that it's a two-part process. Did you happen to catch that? It's not just God says, okay, boom, here you are back alive again. God says, I'm going to raise you up. I'm going to 
make you into something amazing from death to life. But here's what he does. He, said, he starts covering them up. The flesh starts coming back. The tendons, uh, the muscles, the skin, all of it comes back. And there they are, all perfect physically. And yet they are dead. Yet they still have no life within them. And then the Bible says, you preach again. You prophesy again, Ezekiel, and call the, the wind from the four corners. Call it to come and to fill them with the breath of life. And so this second part of the message is what actually brings them to life. It's interesting, isn't it, isn't it? that there is first a body formed, and then the spirit enters the body. Some of this is captured in the old tale of Pinocchio. You might remember the, the kind old woodworker, Geppetto. He made little, little puppets and such, and one day he, he kind of fashioned a little wooden boy. But all it was was wood. And in the story, a little blue fairy comes along, and then boop, bippity-boppity-boop, or whatever she did, and there he becomes alive. And if he's a good boy, he can become a real boy. But you know, all of that, it's really uh, something that goes back, not even just to the story of the dry bones, but it goes all the way back to Genesis. Because if we go back to Genesis chapter 2, where we see that God focuses in on the creation of mankind. You know, in chapter 1, we just kind of get a big picture. God's not going for a, a scientific explanation, but more of an understanding that he created it all. But he does go into Genesis chapter 2. We kind of heard about mankind being created in chapter 1, but now he, he expounds upon it. And the Bible says that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the earth. And there he was. Adam was perfectly formed. No disease, no decay, nothing wrong with him, and yet he was dead. There was no life in him. And then the Bible says that the Lord God breathed the breath of life into man. It is the Spirit of God that gives us life. This week, I was discussing with one of our members, you know, how advanced and complex our bodies are. And we particularly talk about the knee. Uh, you don't think about your knee at all till you get a bad one, okay? If your knee is great, you never think about your knee. But when it starts hurting, you think about your knee an awful lot. And do you know that uh, all the greatest uh, physical uh, therapists and doctors and folks who invent things... The best replacement knee that they can come up with isn't anywhere close to the natural knee. If it was, people are like, eh, let me blow out this knee. It'll be fine. I'll go get a new one. Nobody says that. But you know, if one day they can, if, if science comes to a place, and I don't think it ever will, but if it does come to a place where we can replicate every part of human beings, all of the physical matter, we get smart enough and we know enough, have enough information to replicate it, we still cannot give life because the breath of life is the gift of God. Now, we understand that in two ways. One, 
if you don't know Jesus, if you have never come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then what that means is that you come to God and you say, God, I admit I've sinned, I've rebelled against you. God, I repent of that. That doesn't mean you clean up your life before you come to him. It means you say, God, I recognize that that way is wrong. And God, I'm coming to you, throwing myself on your mercy, asking you to forgive me. And through that, through that repentance and faith in him, the Bible tells us that God gives us his spirit. But here's the thing. For those of us who have become Christians, the Bible tells us that we can grieve the Holy Spirit, uh, that, that, that we can stifle the Holy Spirit in such a way that the Spirit is barely at work or alive in our lives. And we're trying to walk through our day-to-day lives. We're trying to do the good, right thing. And we fail over and over because we're trying to do it in our strength and our power. And yet, without the power of God's Spirit, we fail every time. Every time that you and I fail to live as we should, it means we're not walking in God's power. We're not listening to him. We're not letting him work through us. We need to understand that we may exist, but we will not truly live an abundant and full and joyful life until we let the Spirit of God guide us. There is no hope without Jesus, no life without the Spirit. And finally, I want us to think and to realize that there is no purpose without service. There is no purpose without service. Now, without looking back at the text, can you remember what it was that the Bible says that was raised up? Was it a mighty force of critics? Was it a great gathering of pew-sitters? Was it a stadium full of spectators? Was it any of those things? No. The Bible says it was a great army that rose up, that God called up. And in the very same way as you and I come to Jesus Christ, we are not raised up, we are not saved from hell and sin and death. We are not saved from our sin so we can sit and soak and sour. We are raised up and given new life that we might serve God, that we might be a part of his army. We're on his side. We're not neutral citizens in this world. Uh, We're we're not folks that say, oh, there's the good people and there's the bad people. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm on the fence guy. I'm the guy who, you know, doesn't make anybody mad. No. We are the men and women and boys and girls who have declared our side. For every person who has come before this church or any other church and declared, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. Your allegiance has been proclaimed. You are on his side. You are not in the stands. You are on the field, the battlefield. And God has called you to serve him. He desperately wanted these Old Testament saints to realize God didn't bless you over and over and over so you can just sit there. God blessed you to be a blessing to others. God blessed you and loved you so he might share his love with all the surrounding peoples of this world. God's called us to serve. Why do we have this service 
today? Well, certainly to worship. But we've done some things. Hopefully, you realize that you've heard a single message, but you've heard it in many ways. The choir sang beautifully. You as a congregation sang. You heard a video about a really smart guy saying, I went through it academically and with reason. And you've heard a picturesque passage from Scripture, just how God took dry bones and created life. And all of these things and more that went into this worship service were all about us understanding from all of the different viewpoints possible that we don't do this out of tradition or ritual or because it's on the church calendar or because it's an excuse to dress up. You do look nice, by the way, more colorful than most Sundays. And I appreciate that. I get to look and see all that great stuff. But you know what? This day is about the risen Lord. It's about realizing that Jesus Christ came and changed forever this world by sacrificing himself on the cross. But it wasn't like others who died in horrible ways and and we say, oh, that was such a loss. It was actually the greatest gain ever as Christ took our sinfulness and now offers us a life of redemption in him. We all need help sometimes, don't we? I needed help this morning with this bow tie. (laughs) You know, I bought it. Denise was with me. Oh, she said that outfit looks good. I said, but a bow tie. I've never tied a bow tie. I don't even tie regular ties all that often, but I know how to do one of those. But I don't know how to do a bow tie. And I said, well, there's YouTube. You know, there's YouTube. I can learn how to tie a bow tie, right? I'm going to practice ahead of time. (laughs) That's what I told myself. I was going to practice ahead of time. I did watch the video once a couple weeks ago, but this morning I was (laughs) at home after our early service and I was fiddling and fussing and, and I tried it three or four times. One day I'll show you the documentation. It was really sad uh, how this came out. But finally I said, I need some help. Who am I going to get some help from? And then I thought, you know, Philip is an old Miss grad, and if they are good <laughs> for anything, they ought to know how to tie a bow tie. No, I, I do think he, he ties a mean bow tie, as you can see on him. It's on the application. Yeah, it's on the application. Okay, I, I, especially for a master's degree yeah. from there. We all need help. If you don't know Jesus, you need help from Jesus. You have to admit and say, God, I'm sinful and I can't do anything about it on my own. I'm exchanging my control of my life because it hadn't got me very far. And I'm giving it to you. You're the Lord. You're the boss. And some of you who've said that once before in your life, and you really meant it, but if you're honest, you've been pulling back on that control, you hadn't been walking in God's spirit, you've been living your own way and doing your own thing. And so today, whether it's for the very first time or whether it's coming back to the Lord, God's calling you 
as we come to this time of commitment. We're going to sing a hymn, but it's not really about singing the hymn. There'll be enough other people singing the hymn. You can stop singing the hymn. You can bow your head and you can respond to the Lord right where you are. You can come and kneel or if you need prayer, I'll be up here. Maybe you have a public decision to make to say, today for the first time, I want the world to know that I follow Jesus. Or today, I want to be a part of this church. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, you respond to him. He gave his all for you. How will you respond to the greatest gift of all? Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we all need help. God, we've all got something far more complicated than a bow tie. We have sin and selfishness which has enslaved us. And we may hide it well like a functioning alcoholic. We're all functioning sinners. We get through life. We repress our evil desires. We get along. We make people think we're nice. And yet we know on the inside that we've got a problem that is bigger than us. And we need your help. And God, I pray that right now there will be a person in this room that admits that and says, God, I need you. God, I need you to do what I can't do. I need you to save me. Or God, I need you to give me strength by your grace to forgive that person I haven't forgiven or to stop that thing that's destroying my life. God, you do whatever you'll do. And may our hearts be open and may we respond to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Would you take your hymnal now? Sorry, hymnal 235. Would you stand as we sing and you respond as the Lord leads? Dark. 